0: To the LFC Day Trippers Fatback for Podcast Special, I'm your host Keith Plunker and I am delighted to be joined by football historian and author Peter Kenny Jones. And Peter's going to discuss his upcoming book, Little at One Hundred, about the life and times of the great Billy Little. Peter, how are you? Um,
1: I'm still good. Thanks very much. How are you?
0: I'm great, I'm great uh, just to give you all a heads up, me and Pete have had a great chat there for the last while and the show did not record so we're going to come back in and do it all again but um, yeah as I said there Peter, you've got a book coming out now at in november isn't it and it's it's just about billy little and any regular listeners to the show know i absolutely love football from a boy gone here it's football that's not maybe spoken about anymore and not touched upon and you know billy little is such an important figure in the history of liverpool football club that it's it's great to get this information now so if you want to give us a bit of um a bit of input into what the book is about and and what you had to do to to get it to where it is yes obviously Basically, a biography
1: of his life, so start to finish, pretty little um in celebration of what would have been his his hundred fifty, which is coming up in January. Um, obviously called it a family portrait because I've just tried to speak to uh, as many people as possible, really. So speaking to family, friends, teammates, supporters, and just tried to make the full picture of his life. You know, I didn't want it to be you know just quoting newspaper after newspaper or or whatever. Just I wanted to be the full story of his life, but maybe with you know, unheard of stories and just trying to look at it a different way rather than just going game by game and just trying to give a different side but just tell the, the full story of his life and why he's so well regarded and so well loved at
0: Liverpool. And just so the people know, you, you're you going to in the in the um, compiling of the book you've spoken to was family members of Billy Little and relatives and ex-players. And, you know, you got a real feel for Billy Little, the man, didn't you? Beyond what, you know, we may know from from seeing the odd video or seeing reading the odd article, you really got a feel for Billy and his life.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. So the the video that was available is, is, isn't great. So if you look at from the time, it's the British Pathway and a movie tone. and Basically, it's just like a 10-second report of the game. You might see that getting ahead to a ball that went in. You wouldn't see anything else other than that of a move. So it's hard to get a full idea of what, what the games were like. But that's why I, was, I tried to speak to as many people as I can. Spoke to you know, my sister, Reno, was a massive help. Spoke to us his twin son, spoke to her, Tom Ogilvie, his cousin. Uh, I've got some you know, sisters-in-laws and family friends and then, obviously, a lot of supporters who so were really keen to share the story of him and there was, I think there's one of the eight, nine ex-players he played with, uh, one ex-Scotland International so it's just, yeah, just trying to get, I was trying to speak to as many people as I could and, that was my dad's job, helping me write all the interviews out. So that was it. I had him, paying, I was paying him in Black pudding to write up that, all my interviews. <laughs> that's <laughs> it, an apprentice. <laughs> it it. You had your apprentice. <laughs> that's it, yeah. it um, good yeah. That was it. Just try and tell the full story of his life, as I said, and speak to as many people as I could, really.
0: Yeah, excellent. So take us back to, to the start. So, I mean, it's in the title, really, isn't it? Little at 100, so... Billy was born in 1922, so January. So we're coming up to that 100th 100, 100 birthday. So he's born. Take it away. Where's he born? And
1: yeah, what's so, his early life yeah,
0: like yeah, so he was in in, in um, townhill,
1: It's Just son of a minor, There was a lot of a lot of footballers were at that time, and his mum and dad were just really wanted to make sure they all had a as a as a trade behind them. So you know, obviously Billy's one was was being an accountant and he was he was really good at school he, he sounded like one of those kids you date in school he was good at everything he was just yeah. good at football good at rugby good at athletics clever you know past with flying colors with everything so i think you know for for him it was you know it was quite a good childhood and his mum and dad were, were just really sure on making sure they were all set up for life they didn't want them all all down the mine. so billy was the oldest and which led the way really you know it's his brother Tom played for football as well, and he, he was looking to be a cobbler as well afterwards. But so when his football fell through a bit, he um, he got to go on and have, a, have another pastime. So I think they obviously they were, they were caring parents and really tried to map out the, the life of the kids. And you know, it was a lot of lads, and yeah, there's two twin siblings at the ends, Rita and George. And say so Rita was the one who helped me the most with the book, and yeah, it was just a normal 19, 20s, 30s childhood, really. and Luckily for for Billy, he was just really good at football, which which helped take him out of the small town life.
0: Yeah, so that's it. I mean, as you say, he's a, he's he's got a talent for football, and he's playing youth football up there, um, locally up, I suppose, around Dunfermline or in in the locality there. And he is brought to the attention of Liverpool scouts by a famous uh, a famous name. Who who was it that spots him or recommends him to Liverpool? Yeah, so he, he
1: just signed for Liverpool at the time from, from Man City, it was uh, Matt Busby, so he was on the golf course with, with one of his ex-City teammates and basically just got a tip that City were looking at this lad in, in and who was really good uh, but they weren't sure they were going to get the deal over the line obviously, Liverpool he was new to Liverpool, he was just trying to maybe try to impress, obviously he, was, he came as an experienced player, he tipped off George Cahillan manager, and just said might be worth going to have a look at him, he sounds quite good and that's what they did really, and you know, his, his mum and dads were were vetting all the clubs that were coming to watch him. I think Partick Thistle and Arsenal put offers in to take him, and so did Man City, but they wanted to make sure he had a family home to live in, he had a job lined up, and he was gonna be guaranteed to be to be playing football. So it was it was a hard deal to make for a 16-year-old dumb family but his his mum and dads were confident of his ability and they wanted to make sure he had a life set up if if it did go wrong. So, you know, they looked after him, and, and fortunately, for Liverpool, they're the ones who got his signature.
0: Excellent. So, so he moves to Liverpool at sixteen years old, and it's a big, I suppose, upheaval for for one so young. But where does where does he end up? How does he how does he get to Liverpool, and and what his early days like at the club? Yeah, so obviously it was 1938, so it wasn't long before
1: the war began. But obviously, they didn't know at the time. He, he was set up with you know, a former Liverpool player, Ned Doig, which I think is how you say it. Um, it he'd, he'd passed away with his widow and, and his son still in the clubhouse. So they basically asked if they wouldn't mind Billy coming and living with them and they just look after him. Obviously, that was something, again, that the, the family encouraged because they wanted him to have like a, a family environment around them. So he was just... A young lad in Liverpool, he was very really religious, went to church, you know, didn't really he was he never drank, never swore, so he wasn't like he was you know, going around town with yeah. his top off really. and he was just do, doing his stuff. He was working and playing his football and impressing him in the reserves and, and in the A team and you know making small headlines, just saying that you no, know, this, this young lad looks like he, he could have some talent and unfortunately for him and obviously the whole world the war started and and really interrupted his career. But it looked like he was just on the cusp of getting into the team before it all kicked off. Yeah, so like
0: that, 1938, He's a sixteen-year-old lad. He's, he's, as you say, he's he's about to make it big at Liverpool, and the war breaks out. Nobody knows, you know, what what what's lying ahead there. But um, his football continues, during this period doesn't it? He's, well, it's it's not um, it's not recognised, unfortunately, but but Billy close ahead and and has a successful wartime career, doesn't
1: he? Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, he was he was definitely part of the team, and it was you know, the first game after the war broke out when though know, the game stopped being official. He was he was straight in the Liverpool team, and it was only a friendly against Preston. But then the first wartime game he, he played, and you know that that first season, uh, he he was. Part of the squad, he was. He definitely making appearances. because he scored nine and sixteen in his first wartime season. You know that as a sixteen-year-old, so he was. He was a big part of the squad, and I said maybe it did help him a bit. You know, maybe he wasn't fully ready to play first-team football, but it gave him that access to it. It let him play with the best players that you know, the club had to offer, and he really got to be bedded into it. There was style of play, and to go what, you know, go and play in front of thousands of people at Anfield, and. Get, you know, the atmosphere and the players he was playing with. So he, he was definitely part of a squad. And because he was so young, it took him a few years before he was actually sent off to the war. So it probably did help him a little bit, you know, in terms of the war, giving him access to first-team football.
0: Yeah, indeed. And uh, wartime football, uh, you know, it, it, there was a lot of moving around and, you know, games here, there and everywhere. Wasn't that like so? It would have been a pretty colourful time to be playing. Uh, he wouldn't have been just playing with Liverpool at the time, was he?
1: No, definitely, yes. We
0: travelled around England,
1: um, most notably played for Chelsea quite a few times. Um, went up to Scotland, played for Dunfermline, which obviously was you know, his childhood team and it was it was a big one for the family because it was the first time they could really watch him play like a high level of football. and you know, All the press and all his family were, were, were proud to have him there. And then again, he was, went to Northern Ireland. He had to turn down Elijah Scott because he wanted him to play. He was playing with someone else at the time. And then he went to Canada and played where he wasn't supposed to play. So he had to play under a pseudonym of, of Bill Tanner. And uh, basically, he said, They are like, Oh, should you play football? He said, Not really. And they went on and scored four in about 10 minutes. <laughs> they realised he was. He was quite a good player. So I think it, even his wife told the story of when he was in training in Warrington, you know, he, he basically broke out of the barracks one night so he could go and play football for Liverpool the next day because he was just missing football so much as young lads and he just wanted to keep playing wherever he was. So it was, I say, it wasn't just for Liverpool, but he, he was definitely as an itch that needed scratching with football and fortunately he could keep it up while he was, while he was fighting in a war
0: yeah 'cause he he did he was in the r a f wasn't he during the war and he he did actually um you know it wasn't all just playing football and waiting on yeah. the the war to kick off again, yeah yeah so he was a
1: navigator in the r a f so obviously wouldn't fly the planes would would be alongside them and you know people he met then were you know one of the people he met during the war was his best man and so you he know, it was it was a pretty important time in his formative years as, as a footballer and as a man really and yeah, he was he was definitely involved in the war efforts and or you know, telling the story that you know, his family made a lot of jokes that he was really bad at navigation and found it ironic that he was given the task of navigating RAF pilots around
0: to go and to go and bomb Germany, but that's that's what his that's what his job was during the war. Well, he knew how to hit the target, I suppose they were on to say <laughs> So I yeah, so, um, um, like that. I like that. Yeah, um, I said that last part. <laughs> I didn't. I was thinking about it. That's where we started again. That's where we started again. Um. But look, the the war is going on. A uh, tumultuous time for everybody, and and nobody knows what's happening. But Billy is out there. He's he's playing football. He breaks his leg in a, in one of these games, and you know we we were talking earlier. A leg break now. You've all the modern medicine, and you've all the 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 tools to to get back to one hundred percent. But back then, a leg break. Well, players probably played through a lot of injuries, a leg break was a significant um possibly in this significant setback in his career before he even got going.
1: Yeah, yeah, that d- d- definitely, you know, it was,
0: you know it was a Dribble C career,
1: although it didn't end, definitely took a massive hit by the fact he had the two leg breaks. You know, and talk about how many years earlier, you could easily end your career with a leg break. So for him to come through that, obviously it would have been a big scare at the time and I'm sure he would have been would have been maybe a, had a bit of peace of his mind. The fact that he, he had his accountancy to fall back on, but you know, he was so football mad, he would he would have been devastated. So, to have that, you know, it was nearly taken away from him, but definitely would have helped spare him on to know that when hopefully the world was back to normal, he could go make sure he made something in football and you know, didn't waste his talents or lose it.
0: Excellent, yeah. So, the war happens, the war comes and goes, and eventually games are recognised again and records are being recognised. So, Billy comes into the team in um, 45, is it? 46, 46 in the FA Cup, 45-46 season, FA Cup game. It yeah. uh, comes in, um, but you were saying something interesting There was still wartime games sort of going yeah. on around then as well. And it was... Yeah, cause obviously, yeah.
1: Sorry, go on. It's so, just because no, so the, the, the war ended in, in the September. So, obviously, the, the traditional season starting in the August and they never said, you know, well, like, we'll just rush the season through and, and change the fixtures. They basically just said, right, well, you can have the rest of the year as still wartime while we try and get everything sorted. But the FA Cup will will count. So, it was, you know, they were playing FA Cup games that apparently mattered more than the, the two wartime friendlies that were either side of it. But, you know, it wasn't, they weren't just friendlies, they were in leagues and they had the cup at the end of every season yeah. they were just for nothing. That was probably the the most meaningful, meaningless season that they had, but FA Cup and everything that, that mattered. So
0: it wasn't until 46-47 that, that the first division came back. Indeed. So he's he comes into the team and he's a, a left winger and, you know, football now and football then, it's a totally different kettle of fish. So Billy's playing as a, as a winger back then, but the formation, it would have been the void of a front five nearly wouldn't it, and then ahead of maybe a back five. So it was the the formations that people played were were very different. But Billy was a winger predominantly in his early years before moving maybe more centrally. And we're going to talk about um, his is his scored prowess and how you know it could and should have been better than it is now. <laughs> so for a wide player at the time like Billy's. Um, we can talk about his, his, his numbers at the end. So I have a wrote down that he made 534 appearances and got 228 goals, which places him, um, I don't know, sixth or fifth or something in the all time goal scoring charts. But he's actually, it's a disservice to him, isn't it? Because the, the war yeah. time. Yeah, I want to say because I've tried to
1: add it on in the book. Obviously, he was the AC sixth at the moment, so he would have been fourth top goal scorer and he would have been. Second top appearance, which it's the way ran, but I put it in there. Yeah. But basically, you know, just him and all of his peers you know that a lot of their career was robbed, and and for him to to be as high up as he is and be one of the players you know in that list. Because obviously, you know the people he's up amongst you know it's the, not all of them had wartime affecting their career. And obviously, he was mm. probably the you know, the one with the most of his career taken off him. So again, it just shows the the impact he had on the club at the time and. I think he he really looked through his first first season. He played 40 games, so he scored eight goals. It wasn't, he really grew into being the goal scorer that that he he went on to be. I think the fact that he he developed his game changed so much and it was just a totally different style of play, as you say, the five up front, and I've tried to explain. I think, you know, for me, I can try and call myself the football historian. I am... I didn't fully understand the formation so I tried to like lay it out visually so you can see like what it actually means so playing you know, outside left at number 11 as you say, it was like basically playing Andy Robertson's position but without having to track back that was basically what he was so to do that and score so many goals you know how many the Trenton Robbo score he don't score many so to, yeah. for him to be able to have that involvement and we cut sides he could shoot even fourth he was scoring with his head and also Later on in his life, as you say he moved more centrally because you know he had such a good eye for goals So I think you know his ability out wide is, is it's ridiculous. You know, you say what Salah's like now; he's a winger up amongst all them. But you know that's what
0: Billy was, and you know he just he just deserves a lot of respect for how many goals he scored Indeed, indeed. So, I mean, back then in the nineteen fifties and sort of post-war in the English game, you had sort of the, the superstars of the time where your Stanley Matthews and Tom Finneys and all these guys. And they were uh, the trickier type of winger. But, you know, the Stanley Matthews, it, it beat three men and then get his cross away, whereas Billy was all pace, power and directness, wasn't he? And and that was um, just down to his hard work. And all. he was just a different type of player, wasn't he? He was different to the other great players of the time. Yeah, well, definitely
1: all played in similar positions, but did it their own way. And obviously, there's no right or wrong way. And obviously, Stanley Matthews, unbelievable player. And I think obviously for Billy to be up alongside him just shows how important he was. I think you know he is overlooked a bit because maybe because he played for Liverpool, didn't you? Look at Tom Finney and Stanley Matthews, and the clubs they were at. That he can't be anyone higher than him because Billy's played at a club where we've had Kenny Lee and Stephen Gerrard. It, he can be overlooked a little bit, but you know he was up there with, with the world's best. And for him to, to you know to be to mentioned alongside those, and it was only him and Stanley Matthews who played for Great Britain more than once, for him to be amongst them just, just shows how good he was and his goalscoring records and everything. So I think the style of play of him was just he didn't know what he could do. He was fast he could beat you, he'd, he'd take it round you, and he could have a shot from wherever he wanted and he beat you in the air. So you just, he didn't know what to do
0: against him. So I think obviously that's why he was so effective at wide. Indeed. And another thing I read about him, like he'd never been booked or sent off in his career, but I don't think that was a, a big thing back then. And anyway, but people that played against him would always have said, you know, he was very hard, but very fair. And that, you know, in, in an era when um, players were probably... You know a lot more rough play than what what happens now you know he he was he was very well regarded by his peers, and when you think about it, like he breaks into the team as we said his debut one season and he really pushes in the following year and he win the league Liverpool win the league, but it's the only silverware that he wins at Liverpool, and it's at the beginning of his career. Do you think maybe the 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 lack of success of the team maybe hinders Billy's reputation outside of of Liverpool? Well, Yeah, definitely.
1: You, know, it was, you, know, you say when someone sticks to a team through thick and thin, and it literally was no thinner a point in, in Liverpool's history than, than when Billy was there and they were coming 11th in the second division. But the team he came into was you know, it was a good blend because obviously it was it was hard to, to do transfers while the war was going on. So when he came back, they had a lot of experienced players who had been there for a long time. They had a lot of players who were... At the peak of their career when the war started, they were now aging and then young players like Billy were coming into their early twenties and for them to that they wanted to hit the ground running and they had the ability to do so. So it was it was a good blend of players at the start, which I think that maybe they just didn't replace the experience as the years years passed on, which is my why well, maybe the poor weren't as good as they were. But Obviously, the 46 47 season, it's unbelievable. You know, there's a chapter on it in the book, but the, the way that season ends was just it's like it makes the Aguero moment look like nothing. You know, the other season was a joke. Like the last few games, it was everywhere, and they found out they won it while Liverpool were playing Everton in the Lancashire Cup final. So there was a ground full of people and customers there was no TV or anything to watch it, that was the best place to listen to it. And they were changing the scoreboard. And then when when they found out that Sheffield United had, had got the result that they needed for them, there was hats getting through and everything. So it's a different style of football, but it, you know, it, it's still the drama was there. And you know, he was, that team was a successful one and you know, they had Phil Taylor was a great captain, Jack Barmer, who was who was really pivotal in the end of that season and Albert Stubbins, who was the record signing, which, you know, another interesting fact was that that was, the record signing was broke in his first season, 46-47 and that transfer fee wasn't broken until it is last ever season, 61, so it shows the boards just yeah. basically were right behind him at the start and then they just, as Shankly said, they were like gamblers on the losing streak, they just were too scared to make any changes, so I think the way that the club was, was getting run it was just getting worse and worse. And unfortunately for Billy, all, all his success, and he only won trophy and then the FA Cup fan 1950, all his success was really at the start of his career.
0: Yeah, indeed. And he goes through um, the 1950s and, you know, Liverpool get relegated in, I keep getting this, 55 as it, they go down um, yeah, to the yeah. second division. And, Billy is then, you know, he, he's not. It's not that it's unfair to say he's a one man band at that stage, but the the over reliance on on Billy was was huge. And and we were speaking earlier, comparing it to another Liverpool great, um, Stephen Gerrard, maybe Jordan periods when expectation was just heaped on him. And if you know Billy didn't do it the way Stevie didn't do it, Stephen Gerrard won an awful lot of you know the the comparison. I'm just talking about the expectation, you know. Grabbing it by the scruff, playing in teams that probably weren't up to his level, and Billy just kept going and kept going. But they they went down. There was managerial changes happening, and you know a lot of change in to and from. But Billy was the constant throughout the nineteen fifties, wasn't he? he? Was he was consistent and he was hitting goals, and he was he was always the shining light. Yeah, definitely. I think you
1: know it's I think it is a good comparison with Gerald. It's it's easy to say because it's more recent, but you know. Billy had offers to go and, and take the mega bucks wherever he, he wanted to go. Colombia separated yeah. themselves from FIFA and, and just said, you know, they they were happy for him to pay him
0: a blank check basically, but he wanted to stay where he was. Aston Villa, so the, to the weekly him. wage wasn't a, sorry if it? Sorry for going across you there. The weekly wage was like twelve quid or something at the time. Yeah, so, and yeah, Colombia so went, went up to count. twenty at the end. Yeah, but they, they yeah. were
1: just paying whatever. Yeah.
0: They that they took like Alfredo Di Stefano and all went um to play there at Millonarios I think in Colombia and they, they just took the cream of the crop and and it was outside of FIFA and caused all sorts but Billy resisted yeah the the urge to go over there
1: yeah well I think obviously it was I think it was probably the 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 biggest discussion he had and what he probably said should they go no because everything else he would even ask should they go he just was ten everything away but. I think they just, for him, it was the fact that you know Liverpool had been so good to him, and the fact that you know, they they gave him that that job as, he was, as a sixteen-year-old to give him the house. One of the first clubhouses that they bought was because they realised you know basically Liverpool wasn't as fashionable or as attractive as London was for a lot of players around the country. So they they started trying to buy clubhouses, and rather than just trying to entice people in, they they made sure they give Billy one of the first ones. So. I think he appreciated what the club had done to him, and then you say the leg break at the start. He'd fought a war. He'd not long met his wife. It was from Liverpool. I think it all adds together. And, you know, it wasn't just a pursuit of silverware for him. You know, he, he realized that the club had been good to him, and what a lot of players aren't like today. He realized that he probably should be nice back to them. So mm-hmm. obviously, it, it helps that the wage meant he couldn't earn any anymore, anymore anywhere else. But yeah. He still had offers to go and play top level football and he, he wanted to stay at Liverpool, he wanted to be the one to drag them out of the second division.
0: Yeah. And another thing you you touched on earlier was that as father passed away, I think, in early in his Liverpool career, was it 1951 or something? as father passed away yeah. and he 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 brought his family down. And it was like he wanted to lay roots in Liverpool. You know, we I suppose the, the city meant a lot to him, even at that sort of early age. But he pushes through and, you know, he's in a team. And for the book, um, would you have spoke to many of his teammates at the time? Like, Would you have uh, had, had some um, contact with some of the people that he played with? Yes,
1: yeah, so obviously, I know it, it's unfortunate that a lot of the people I tried to speak to have I've even passed away since I've written it, Tommy Leishman and, and Roger Hunter recently. So obviously it was it was sad. I think I looked at it, I haven't got the exact number, but I think there was like 95 players or 120 players something like that but again it, it was surprisingly small amount for how many years he played yeah. with but that's how many players he played with for Liverpool and only nine of them were alive at the time so you know, it really is a, a period of extinction it's it felt like an honour really just to speak to some of the people because I think one of them was, was Alex Self who I spoke to and he only played I think played about four games for Liverpool but you know, his stories he had were was, just was unbelievable. And, you know, you, you not know, look at the stats of these people and you disregard them, but you has the stories they've he they spent years playing with, with Billy and I was lucky enough to speak to the list here. Golden Wallace, Golden Mill, Johnny Morrissey, Jimmy Melia, yeah, Keith Bergenshaw, George Scott and, and Alan Banks. and They all had different insights into what he was like and what the team was like. A lot of them were obviously because of how long it's been since he played a lot of them were younger players coming towards the end of his career but again they just commented on the respect he had and how much you know Bill Shankly really looked at him at the end and, and I, another great one who I spoke to was Ian Callaghan who's, who's done a four-way for me and he was the man who, who basically took his share to go, grew up watching him on the Kop to then go and basically go wear number mm-hmm. 11 and, and try and do what Billy did and obviously he ended up breaking his appearance record. So it was, it was, it was a good, you know, passing of the flame. And then I got to speak to Alan Hansen, who showed what it was like when he was a fan, you know, while what Billy was watching every week and he tried to get the players advice. And then Jamie Carragher, who was, who also helped and basically showed how his legacy lived on through, through Ronnie Moran and the way, you know, they, they were trying to, you know, the fact that Billy was up there with, you know, Doug soon Sunez, all, all the biggest names in, you know, Rush. He, He'd always be up there amongst them because Ronnie Moran had played with him as well, so it shows how highly thought of he was even long after he passed away.
0: Yeah, because he came. They done that hundred players who shook the cup, and he, he came sixth in that. And you know, when you think of the the players that have come through Liverpool, you know, to for a poll to be done in the modern age to have Billy still up there in the top 10, it, it's a wonderful achievement and a recognition of, of a hero of a boy gone era. But we touched on the fact that Liverpool got relegated in 55 and they, you know, the, the silverware wasn't happening for Billy, unfortunately at the time. Um, but there was a sliding doors moment in uh, the 55, 56 season where, you know, it, it was possibly one of his most famous moments, um, in a red short happened. Do you want to, to, to take that away? It's a, a, a fifth round FA Cup play against Man City.
1: Yes, well, I think, obviously, we're speaking to people, a lot of them, that I'd always just say, like, what's the main thing that comes to your mind when you think of Billy? And a was, you know, the fact the team was called Littlepool, the fact that he was, oh, him and only Stanley Matthews had played for Great Britain twice and then this, this game and the non-goal, obviously, City had just gone two and up, literally seconds left on the clock and. Basically, they took the kick-off, Billy just on a one-man mission, took it past a couple of players, 30, 40 yards out, just hit an absolute rocket, flew in the back of the net, the referee's whistle-go and Anfield's a pandemonium and all the players are running off. Looks like, you know, it's, it's about to be extra time and then they had to put over the tannoy, the, you know, the referee had blown up for full-time before at the back of the net and it basically just blew up into, a, it was just, a joke really, all the fans were kicking off and then the next day the Echo ran a picture with the referee's hands up after the ball had hit the back of the net and they were saying, oh, he'd blown up afterwards from the counters and I you know, was saying, you know, you can just imagine what, what social media and what, and what it would be like now with you know, <laughs> how much of a joke it was, you know, how much people about, like, Lewis Garcia's goal and uh, it, it wasn't the same type of thing, you'd have that back and say, you know, what a joke, but yeah. it really was a pivotal moment because, you know, he that was what Billy was all about. He was taking his team by the scruff of the neck and he was, he was take, he was on his way to taking them to the next round or at least taking them to extra time. And I should say, well, what, what happened with Bear Trap later that year shows how important Billy was and how much both their lives would have been different
0: if the referee had waited about half a second more before he blew his whistle. Which is quite interesting to, if people don't know. Man City go on to win the FA Cup that year and Bert Troutman, who was, a, was he a POW? Uh, he was a, a Nazi soldier, a German soldier yeah. in the war Thanks, and he was a POW and he's playing in gold. He wins the Football Writers Player of the Year that year just before the FA Cup final and has a collision against Birmingham and breaks certainly uh, three or four vertebrae in his neck. I don't know if that's class as a full neck break but he breaks his neck in the game. Plays on gets man of the match, and it so nearly wouldn't have happened. You know, Bert Troutman is famous for that. No, no, he plays on afterwards, and um, I'm sure he, he's he wouldn't have liked in the neck break, but um, it could have been so different for Billy if they they go through that, could have been an FA Cup win, which the FA Cup then is a different kettle of fish than what it is now. It's it's much more beloved and much more highly regarded back then than um than it than it is now. And Liverpool hadn't won it even at that stage. So yeah. he, he was maybe robbed of a of a big moment. Yeah, I
1: would definitely say that how important the cup was at the time and obviously I think they reached the final in nineteen fourteen and then obviously Billy was part of the nineteen fifty FA Cup final and obviously mm. it was a massive blow because they'd beaten um, Arsenal home and away that yeah. season, and, and obviously, they, I think when they got to the, when they reached the final, they were top of the league by a few points, and obviously going to the FA Cup final, the season just completely fell apart, and they finished outside at the top four, and they lost the final. It just all went wrong, and they would have been the first post-war team to win the double had they um, had they done that. So it was, it really was a massive one, and then obviously to have that moment again and they knew they had FA Cup prowess they had some massive games against Everton and they were always the big the one got the crowds going so they knew how important the FA Cup was and as you say just to, to have that moment robbed from him and, and from the fans it was it was really controversial at the time
0: Yeah a tough one to take and I think he took over the captaincy then as well did he? he became the Liverpool captain in his latter years as well um, yeah. from Lord so Ewell I could be wrong with how I that huge yeah, I think it was,
1: it was, but it was, it was a bit of a tough one because it, it changed quite a lot in that period. It was never like a real really official time that he had it. And he, um, you're right there,
0: yeah. So I thought whacking the knee <laughs> off
1: the table. <laughs> so I don't worry. Um, so yeah, he was, yeah, he, he had the captain's arm, man. It wasn't for too long, but I think, you know, he was, he led by example. He wasn't someone who he would ever shout and ball at someone, so I think maybe. When your team's in the second division and, and struggling a bit, I think maybe he needed someone who was gonna put a rocket up someone. So I think that's maybe why he didn't hold on up for so long. But the respect he had amongst the players, which was why he was awarded, you know, the armband so obviously really wear it, but the armband at that time.
0: And it was a, a period as we touched on earlier on 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 the ghost show was, you know, the <laughs> second division back then. So he, he spent the second half of the, the 1950s up till the, the end of his Liverpool career playing in the second division. <laughs> um it's it's unfair it's a shame maybe that he wasn't playing fourth division football and maybe it does sort of shadow his legacy a bit you know in in the wider game but the second division it was a tough league to, to play in as the championship is now but you know there was even though he was doing his business in the second division it was still being noticed and would still be you know it's it's not that it's devalued he was still there scored scoring goals and making all these appearances and it, it just never really happened for him he was part of an era then before I think Bill shankley comes in in 1959 correct me if I'm wrong yep, 59 right. Shankly yep. comes in and at that stage Billy is geez, he must be near 40 at that stage is he it's certainly in his late 30s yeah it was. he was 30
1: when he retired and that was in in 61 so yeah he'd have been yeah, late 30s mid late 30s and um, yeah
0: and a lot of miles in his legs, you know, he's playing a long time and a lot of, a lot of, um, hard yards in those legs of his, those tree trunk legs. Um, but he's, he's moved more centrally really, isn't he? At the, when the pace starts to decline, he's, he's more, the brain is more, um, what he's playing off. And he's, Bill Shankly, ho- highly regarded really, but he was at the end of his career. But, It's a new dawn coming in at Liverpool and you touched on the fact that it's Ian Callaghan that replaces him uh, in the team and, and, and is, you know, I was reading that one of his last games, he's substitute for Roger Hunt, you know, and it's all these illustrious names, Jimmy Melia, as you touched on, you know, these players that are bringing us into the 1960s. And it was just the end of one era before the dawn of a successful era. And it's something that we don't, you know, there's the, an the era of football now that's on the verge of being forgotten, isn't
1: there? Yeah, well, definitely. I think you know, a lot of people think, you know, as you said before, football began in '92, and a lot, of, a lot yeah. of poor fans think it began in in 1959 when Shankly came, but it wasn't. You know, there was there was a lot of football before it. I think you know, Phil Taylor was the man who ultimately took Billy out the team and. It was in '58, and it was the first time in 20 years that Billy had ever been dropped. He'd obviously been injured or whatever, but he'd literally not missed a game from 1913, from the war starting to 1958. So they, they put the out and the, the fans were gusted because you know he was still he was still doing it. He wasn't a bad player, and uh, Phil Taylor tried to put him back out wide and was played him in the reserves at the winger. but. He, the fans wanted him back at the number nine because they knew I think it was Alan Arnell was playing at the time and they just saying he, he wasn't as good as what Billy was but Phil Taylor was trying to make him back into a winger which is you know, whether it was the right decision for the 36-year-old but he was he, he was just still so loved by the fans and I think when Shankly came in I think he played about one or two games to start the season under Phil Taylor and then when Shankly came in I think he played 11 of the last 14 or something bad like that so he was Shankly realized that he, he, although he had lost a lot of his pace and you know, maybe he definitely wasn't the player that he was. I think for for Shankly it was important to have someone that you know knew how Shankly wanted to play because he played with him at Scotland and both played together wartime football at Liverpool. So I think it was important for him to have that leader in terms of example and the football he wanted to play. And I basically, Billy was replaced by Ian St John, who was coming a couple of years later, and, and yeah. Roger Hunt. So. As you say, it was, it was a massive change over that time and Billy was just really a really, really unlucky player because if he was born 10 years later, he'd have been part of you know, that first FA Cup win and if he was born 20 years later, he'd have been dominating Europe. So he, he was born 100 years later, he'd be worth millions of pounds. So he's just really unlucky on the time he was born, but he definitely made the most of it with you know, his ability and the, the amount the crowd loved him.
0: Indeed, indeed. And again, you know, he had a, a, a international career with Scotland. Um, we have a 29 Scotland caps, 8 goals. And that doesn't seem like very much when you think of today's standards where players are regularly hitting 100 caps and, and this. But back then it was a different time, wasn't it? Yes, yeah, so and they'd only play about three, four a
1: season, really. You know, they wouldn't be travelling around the world. and They might have in a summer a little tour where they'd go and play another Two or three games, but it was all just the whole nations really throughout the season, which obviously meant that particularly the Scotland England games were huge at the time. Yeah. And obviously when he went to Hamden, it was it was a massive atmosphere and he did have little tours around Europe, which you know there was a, a few good stories from them because I managed to speak to to Doug Cowie, who was one of his teammates, and he was he was a big help to say what it was like. But you know, he had a good amount of caps for the Scotland player at that time and he was robbed because the Scottish FA were just a shambles. Really, they only they were run by the people who, the directors of, of Celtic and Rangers and a couple of other clubs. So they just wanted to pick their own players, and then they wouldn't let the manager pick the team. They just wanted to pick like four players each. Yeah. They only took thirteen players out of a possible twenty-two to the World Cup. They turned down a World Cup opportunity because they didn't think that the team should qualify because they lost to England in the qualifiers. So it was just it just made no sense that what they were doing really and B- Billy was definitely good enough to be part of that team so I think he was robbed of a lot more caps robbed of not being able to say played in the World Cup but for the impact he had for a, a player a Scottish player playing in the second division of English football to be able to get that many appearances and Great Britain that we touched on before I think yeah. it just shows how good he was internationally not just at club level
0: Indeed. And as we said then, is the the career Peter's out. Um he he finishes up in sixty one. But he's still a f um a face around Anfield and he's, you know, he's he's in the players' lounge for games and he's still a big influence and he's a hero to a lot of the next generation of players, isn't he? Like he's the one that they're all looking up to. He was the Kenny Dagleish and the Stephen Gerrard of the of his day and he was such a big figure. Well the thing that always comes across about him was he was a humble man and uh, he he lived his life. He played the game the way he lived his life. Like he was, he wasn't fussy. He wasn't flashy. He was just a, a a strong man who who played the game he loved and carried that after his life as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. He was obviously a
1: big a big part of the club and a big part of his life was was Liverpool. Obviously, he spent so many years there. Moving in nineteen thirty eight, and you you come into nineteen sixty one. Obviously, it was inevitably be retiring. But he, he never thought about going back to Scotland. So he, he wanted to stay in the city. He worked for Liverpool University. And the fans still loved him. It used to be part of the pre match ritual. They all knew where his seat was in the main stand. He used to come out and they'd all cheer his name and he'd give him a little wave. So like he, he, he was still massive in the club. And as you say, a lot of Scottish players coming through, he would never be someone who'd impose himself on them. But he was always happy to listen to them and offer advice if they wanted it. You know, Alan Hansen. When I spoke to him, he, he couldn't have spoke any high, any more highly of him. Really, just saying how he was just trying his best to to make sure they were settling in. Obviously, there wasn't many foreign players in those days, so the Scottish players were the foreigners at the time, or yeah. <laughs> they were the, the they were the most sellers coming from halfway across the world. So for him to be able to offer advice and and speak to them, obviously, would definitely would have helped them. And you know, like w- with what happened with with Andy Robbo, he was. He he was so happy to be able to meet Kenny at the time. For all those Scottish players, they'd have grown up watching Billy yeah. Little. So for, again, for them, it was even if it was their dad's hero. Or whatever it was, to be able to meet him and speak to him, and yeah, he he loved the club. And unfortunately, like what what happened with, with Bill Shankly, he he wanted to be on the board, but they they didn't select him. He wanted yeah. to be part of the club, and they just didn't really respect him or honor him properly. Yeah. And he he deserved a lot more at the time, but. That was just the way football was. You needed a lot of money behind you to be. You didn't. You didn't really have your honorary directors and stuff like that. You have today. You needed to have the money to help with the transfers and stuff. So yeah, that might yeah. be why a
0: different part. role. Yeah, a yeah, different role. It's not an ambassadorial uh, job like it is now for so many players. But Billy goes on, and like you said, he he passed away. Um, two thousand and one was it that he passed away? Yeah. Um, do you want to t- touch on that? Yeah, yeah, sorry. yeah, yeah. So obviously he was. He had he had a
1: battle with Alzheimer's and it was something that I really tried to touch on in the book quite a lot because yeah. obviously was was what's going on and, and, and Roger Hunt has been you know, similar and we had a lot of people that Teddy Matamut and Nobby Styles and you can you can list them all day. It's hard yeah. with how many, yeah, it it's, it's no, was more no, than so sad of that. how mm-hmm. many people and I just think there's there's no accountability really. I know obviously Alan Shearer has done his documentary on BBC and I think it just seems clear to everyone that there's a link but. It doesn't seem to have been like an official apology or anything, you know. Basically, the the people in charge of football at the time just weren't taking notice of the fact that there was, especially in winter or when it was raining, there was a couple of players a game going down with head injuries, getting bandaged up, and they'd be wobbling about and the crowd would be laughing, but you know, there was didn't seem to be any consideration to the welfare. So it's, I tried to pick up on it as much as I could, and you don't know, like it. It must be a link between football, but you don't know which which one it was and what game it was. But if you look at all the examples of every time he's getting a head injury, and not just heading the ball because he was so brave, going with big challenges with keepers and defenders, that must be a cause of what it was. And it was you know it was in the late eighties he was feeling the effect of it, and we I mean, had the illness for such a long time. And basically, he just took a step back from from public life his wife didn't really want people to know yeah. so it was just he kind of got forgotten in that period as well because you know he, people weren't seeing him but I think it, it was really good that in in 94 and on the last stand of the cop he got to come out to Anfield I don't think anyone would have known then he wasn't well but yeah. you, know, you can watch the video on that it, it, it's great because obviously there was no chance proper chance in those days it's great that he could go out full house in Anfield and that they could sing his name and I think that meant a lot to the family that he could he could do that as well. So I think obviously it was a really sad way his life ended and you know he, he died in two thousand and one but a, a big part of him had died about about twenty years before really. Yeah. So it was it was sad, but it's just indicative of what football was like at that time. And unfortunately now we're seeing all these players passing away with, with the same illnesses. So it's
0: yeah. just yeah. It's down. it's too common at the moment, isn't it? As you see you touched on all those great players and, and the same thing, you know, and it's gonna get worse unfortunately before it does get better. But it's um you know, I'm looking forward to reading the book. I can't wait to to actually read the book because it's it's an area that I love in football, you know. Anything that was in black and white, I'm all over. Big <laughs> fan of it. So I look forward to reading it. So when is the book out? Yeah, so um uh, eighth of
1: November the day after my birthday so it's easy to remember uh, go, <laughs> um,
0: yeah. Uh, yeah so
1: it's yeah it's out the first one it's in all the main places you'd expect to see a book um, Amazon WH Smith Waterstones all good book stockers so whatever you say um, and I've done my own I've got lot on my own website as well which would be best for me if people want to get it from there I've got you can obviously buy the book, I can sign it. And I've done like a few like pre-order bundles so you can get a couple of programmes with it. I think I've got one here actually. So I can get little like programmes have reproduced them. So like yeah. the clubs have let me do it. I got like I think five or six from his career, like the nineteen fifty FA Cup final, his testimonial, some from 46-47 so let's try to get that and then his little brother's autograph book got that from again from the 46-47 season when he played for Great Britain Scotland and for Liverpool so it's all like the best players at that time so yeah it's out on all, all those main places and if you can get it from my website that'll be best for me but
0: if you just buy it I'm more than happy Brilliant and we will lash the details up of the website in the in the show description when it does go out um, and people can do that like support as much as, much as you can but Let's let's support Peter the best way we can. Um, well, Peter, look, it's been a pleasure having you on with us tonight. Um, I've really enjoyed it. Like I said, it, it's it's a, a subject that I really love talking about is is football from a, a boy gone ear. And this has been one that I've been looking forward to. It's took us a while to to get together and do it. But I just want to thank you for your time coming on. Uh, it's longer than longer than we probably expected. But um, thanks for giving us that time to talk. I uh, really enjoyed it. Oh, no, thank you very much, Trav. I mean, obviously, I just think,
1: as you said, it's a period of football. that looks like it might be going extinct. And I think he's one of the best players Liverpool have ever had. So hopefully I can just introduce him to a few new people and then maybe reignite the little flame with the ones who, who, who do love him. And hopefully just his story
0: lives on a bit longer because he deserves that. Exactly. You know, it's it's given that bit of um posterity to a legend that... that- People are sadly, you know, forgetting about the the legends of of those areas. So look, anybody watching, get on, get the book, have a read, enjoy it, uh, enjoy it, the the story of as as Pete said, one of the greatest ever players that they it for the Reds. Um, but look, it'll be great to get it. Good Christmas present as well for anybody. You know, it's it's a, a nice time to be to be hitting that but before we finish up if you like the show hit the like button hit the subscribe button we'll have all the details of where you can get peter's book and yeah you can see on the screen there is is there a twitter handle at peter kenny jones Get That's on great. and follow peter and you'll be able to find out any uh updates or or stuff like that and look pete it was great having you on i'd love to get you on again in the future and have another chat Um, if you are interested in that that would be excellent um, and yeah, We could definitely do something along those lines. Um, But for tonight, I'm going to say good night and thank you very much for coming on. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Good night. No worries. Listen, uh, take care. This has been the Fatback Four. I've been your host, Keith, and this has been our little at 100 special.
1: Sports Social Podcast Network.